A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. In today's episode, we are going to talk about reality TV, the golden age of hip-hop, and even do an impromptu sports radio host audition. If that seems like an odd variety, it is. Today's guest has been in 137 episodes of the reality TV show Love & Hip Hop, was a senior marketing executive of Bad Boy Entertainment in its heyday, and even played some ball at Vanderbilt. We are talking about none other than Rich Dolls. What has changed in reality TV over the past 15 years? How did Bad Boy cross cultural barriers to succeed? Does Rich have what it takes to go head-to-head with home team Brandon Leak in Talking Atlanta Sports? We'll find out all that and more today on the Marketing Mad Men podcast. They say marketing is a madman's game. So now we turn it over to the Marketing Madman with Nick Constantino and Trip Job. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Nick Constantino here. And, uh, you know, we're, uh, we've had some fun the last few weeks. And I think today we're going to continue having fun, but we're going to go in a little different direction. Yeah, we are. A little, lots, uh, of, lots of pop, different directions. Pop culture today and lots how pop culture. Uh, ties into marketing, which, you know, God, there's a whole bunch of things that are going on. And a lot of them are not my expertise. Uh, I think we all know my my opinion to TikTok. But um, I think we're going to get into things like that today. I think so, that's got to be the next promo video. I think we got to get yeah. you doing a TikTok video for the Marketing Mad Men. I think yeah. that's got to be the next promo video. So we are, yeah, I, honestly, we're happy. I got my boy here, Rich Dallas. I, can't, I don't even want to list all the stuff. Uh, Love and Hip Hop, how many, what are you on, 18, 20 seasons now? Yeah. 20 well, seasons? yeah, something like that. Like, let's say... 11 New York, 3 Atlanta, 2 Atlanta. So what does that equal? 30, 11, 13, 14, 16. 16 seasons. Uh, also was the senior director of marketing for Bad Boy Entertainment, which Correct. was just a huge part of my life growing up in Queens and in New York. And oh, I mean, right. man, I saw, I saw that thing from the beginning to end, man. I yep. saw, I remember back in the day when Diddy was singing on, uh, I don't even remember the reggae bands, the first track he was oh. ever on. He tried to do that fake Jamaican yeah. accent on that, yeah, on that yeah. track. I remember that. <laughs> I remember it all the way through. I've heard all the stories about Biggie coming in and doing the Juicy Freestyle. I mean, you mm-hmm. name it. I've heard those stories. So that's going to be fun. Uh, but also, uh, played some ball at Vanderbilt. Played basketball at Vanderbilt. I played, little, which, I played little hoops. Which is fantastic. So we got the sports tie-in, we got the entertainment tie-in, and we got the hip-hop tie-in. Right. And, um, and, and how do you run businesses that way? And how do you use that uh, those markets to uh, track sure. people? I mean, sure. and that's uh, I think you probably run the gamut of people you're you know you're thinking about in your marketing days of uh, you know how do you help these uh, properties um, you know and the sponsors in those for, areas for sure. And I wonder about reality TV too, like more of how they market reality TV. Because man, oh man, has that has that been? You went from like the real world to what? What are they probably now? What would you bet? How many different shows are being executed at a time in the reality? Oh, space? now with the streaming, with, with the, the streaming, streaming platform, hundreds. Oh. now you have hundreds. Yeah. You might literally, you might have. Thousands. Would go all going at the same time on these all different channels and, and, and relative to you know uh, sitcoms and stuff, they're relatively cheap to make. It's a contained yes. environment, and that's yes. why they put them on TV. And then if you catch a viral one, man, that, that IP lasts forever. You spin it off in 16 different yeah. directions. Exactly. So I think... I think that's great, and I think I, I think we start there. Let, let's talk a little bit about that. Okay. So, 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 Rich, tell me about and again, 
you know, a lot of this is you can't you can't share a lot of the stuff. What, what mm-hmm. you're filming, and, and I get all, tell me what the typical filming is like. Tell me when they bring you in, they give you the plot lines. Tell me tell me what's going on with that filming because I know you disappear for like weeks at a time. Yeah. You can't be reached. It's like completely desert <laughs> island. Like so 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 talk a little bit about that, and then we're gonna talk about how they market those shows. Well, originally when the way the reality hold the, the format was set up was that you did an interview and you basically told them your life. And then they drew connections and parallels with other people in your life. Got so it. just remember that whatever you say today is what's going to be on television tomorrow. So if me and Nick are having a conversation and I say something negative, yeah. you're going to hear that. Yeah. It's going to get back to you, and then that's how the drama And they're going to play it in the worst part. In the they're going to play part. it with the most right. drama around it. In, no when, just when you're on the lowest, they give you a knockout exactly. blow. Yeah. Exactly. No yeah. context, yeah. no nothing. Yeah, I see the drama so building now, already. You're moving forward into that, and now you have the drama and everything ensues after that, and now you have reality television because, you're, like you say, you're getting people at their lowest moments. They're filling those plot lines. But it's all emotional. I mean, you're trying, to build, you're trying to build the emotional connection. Correct. Yeah. For, and for better or worse. For, yeah. better, for better or worse. And as long as the way it used to be, not so much anymore, but there were, there was, there were stakes. There was problems. Problems lead to stakes. Stakes lead to lead to resolution. Sure. And as long as there was resolution, then you were fine. Right. Because by you the built the, the season, drama to that right. point, and then all and of then, a sudden you had it, but you culminated at some point where you fix, fix right. got to your resolution. You resolved the issues, and right. then that's how it used to be. But not so much anymore, man. No, then because they want to keep you on a cliffhanger in the next oh season, goodness, right? That's yeah. the cliffhanger. It's, that's it's like crazy. that Game of Thrones cliffhanger. They always got to get you to the next episode. Yep. And it, it's ridiculous. It's it's actually it's not healthy. Yeah. Honestly, it really isn't healthy to harbor those type of things and to have to live your life based on somebody else's schedule. Yeah, and I think the I think it's also the way it's promoted and the way it's advertised. You're feeding into people who probably think this is a little more real than it is to their it's, own life, yes. right? Like yes. that drama, they feel like they're a part of it. And it's like, yo, you you oh, live your life. This is supposed to be the entertainment part of it. You don't have to be that invested this, that this is hurting the, you. This should be the escape, and it's becoming exactly. the reality. It's becoming of the reality. It. Yeah, because people that's well, that's what made reality television so popular is that people could. They looked at the television screen and they 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 saw themselves in these issues. They saw themselves like my my boyfriend cheated on me or we had issues or this woman said this about me and it, it they saw themselves so they were able to look in the mirror and that's yeah. what made it hit home and it was so yeah. realistic. I feel you also manifest the worst parts though because what you're looking Absolutely. for when you're looking for shit you're going to find it. Yes. When you're looking for stuff, yeah. you're going to find it, right? Whenever you look inward, it's like I always say, like, you have a girlfriend who's snooping on your computer, she go find something. She's going to find something because she's looking. So it's the same thing. It manifests the wrong things. Um, so so what about the marketing of it? Obviously, from when it started, when it started really going viral, uh, I remember I had a buddy when I lived in Vegas who was on Real World Seattle. Like, that was a, mm, one of the initial okay. stages, and he right. actually got caught up in some controversy for having an affair with the producer. Oh, My really? buddy Dave Burns, it's a, it's a story. And actually, we'll get him on one day because <laughs> oh, yeah. he is a trip, but I remember remember it was early we were out drinking one night partying we're at his house and he starts dying of laughter he goes i want to show you something and he goes into a safe and pulls out a residual check and it's like for 86 cents on the real world right, right. think about those days to now where some of these things yeah. people rewatch these things how are they marketing yeah. it who's the audience who are they going after go back to your bad boy marketing days tell me a little bit about how the marketing of the shows has changed the marketing well marketing has changed with society with the emergence of social media, marketing is a whole different platform now. It's a whole different mindset. When reality television first started, especially real world was a little bit different. You had these white kids yeah. that were going mm-hmm. down to the shore yeah. and they were partying and yeah. drinking and it was it was kind of 
fun. Loving hip hop got dark. Yeah. It showed the other side of it. So to be, to be nascent stages, it was difficult for us yeah. to get marketing. So if yeah. you looked at the television screen in 2011, you wouldn't see Pepsi. Wow. And you McDonald's. say dark, well, but you, you mean were, real. And you were still back in those days when those started and Survivor started, it was still more of a mass media. Correct. Right. I mean, there, look, there was target markets, the young adults, et cetera, but it mm -hmm. wasn't niche and super niche. Absolutely to me, Absolutely now not. that's where reality has become. Over Every, the last, everything, though. That's why there's 400 channels and 800 yeah, screaming services because everyone's getting niche. niche. You're going after a niche now. Yep. So, And you can find, and the crazy thing is that now, back in the day, Coming from the music industry, there were three genres, well, three popular genres of music before you went to the adult contemporary on the pop side. So you had rhythm, excuse me, you had urban, you had rhythm, and you had pop. Those were mm -hmm. your three. So those were the three things that you catered to in the music industry. Sure. Urban was your hip-hop, R&B. Sure. Rhythm was more of your middle-of-the-road California-style music, Rihanna, sure. stuff like that. And sure. then, obviously, Pop is your John Mayer's, your sure. Britney Spears. Sure. And that. those started about the 90s when that started blending a lot also. That was the and crossover from hip-hop to the, yeah. the when he had that started crossover. Blend. Exactly. Because you, you say Rihanna. MySpace. Rihanna can be a million ways. You could perceive her as XYZ. Exactly. West Coast. Even Dre started going a little... You don't want to say Pop because they'll jump out of the screen and choke me if I say that. <laughs> exactly. But they, they, well, all, just, they all started blending. Because it was the internet. And then you started having right. Middle America, white kids who were finding this East Coast, West Coast music and attaching themselves to it. Well, that's when you started to get the, the duos, the combinations, the, where Justin Timberlake, you mentioned Britney, and some of this started exactly. to having you know, these compilations and these songs with yeah, you know, some they, from they the hip-hop the importance. They yeah. saw the importance of now we have to... Put these two things together, yeah, and it started earlier, right? I mean, I know it's, Blondie, Blondie with, with yeah, you had all those things. And, you had all yes. those things started, and, and you had oh, yeah. you had uh, Aerosmith, and you had Run DMC. Those things were all starting, but they exactly. really. I, but I understand yeah. we're saying the internet made that widely available to everybody because there was no more genres in in the in the early nineties. You don't imagine many white mothers in the suburbs saying you can watch BET. Like right. I just didn't. Right. It, it, just didn't, didn't it just didn't happen. It, didn't happen. Yeah. it just didn't. It just didn't happen. So I remember my mother uh, when I moved from Queens. No, I was still in Queens and she found my first CD and it was Onyx and oh, she wow. was not happy with me. Now, I'm not going <laughs> to say imagine. the titles of the songs that were on that, but they are not titles that 10-year-old Nick should have been listening to. Let's <laughs> leave let's let's <laughs> let's leave it let's leave it at that. Okay. Uh, so, but the internet made it all of a sudden now I'm downloading whatever I want. I have access to whatever I want, so I see that blend. So, yeah. you said earlier that it, Love and Hip Hop got dark. By dark, do you mean real? Do you mean By it dark, just I got real? You see the real parts because again, you can glorify the partying. That's easy, but when you start talking about real relationships, it, the the dark could just mean the reality. Were they just harping on the darkness, or is it, and that's why advertisers couldn't take it, or was it just the first time that you said something that was so real? It was the first time that something that was said was so real, and that was the premise of tomorrow's situation. So it didn't get better. It didn't yeah. get better until it got better. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Completely. So. It was dark until it wasn't. And when you're watching that and you're going six, seven episodes of darkness out of a 12-episode season, it wasn't enough happiness to sustain the marketing until, Understood. like you said. I was going to say, were there targets that you could try to find sponsors that fit for that? Or was it still I hard think because, was, because companies didn't want to get that deep in the darkness? Companies didn't want to get that deep in the darkness, and you dealt with urban yeah. more so than 
Yeah, let's call it what it the is. Board. There was there's not as much diversion. There was no diversion. That stuff didn't yeah. that no stuff diversion. didn't exi- it didn't exist then. It was something someone no one wanted to touch until you like you said that be crossover be started to begin to happen in the mid '90s when all of a sudden now you saw those crossovers coming in every direction. I mean, you had very few brands that were engaged in let's call it urban. I hate freaking saying that word mm-hmm. in African American culture. Yeah, you had very few that were really there. And again, I grew up. I remember it was for me it was Carl Kanai and it was Pele Pele Mark Pele, Buchanan. Pele, yep, I, I, yep. Those were Brands, and even I was wearing, and again, I can look Puerto Rican if I need to, so I can yeah. get away with it. But, but, but my friends, not my, my most of my friends, not so much. But yeah, but that, dude, that makes a ton of sense. And, and like, let's say what it is, man. I mean, as it evolved, now that is so much more a part of culture. So I have to imagine that's where the marketing has changed now, and now it's been more embraced by a lot of these brands. Absolutely, product but placement, I mean, stuff like that is happening. Everybody understands the power of the dollar, and the internet has created a place in where. I guess marketeers are safe and going to the left and to the right and being able to do everything in the middle because there really is a market for everyone now. And there is a, there's no wrong way to do this anymore. Well, and and I think that's a neat point. And I think when we come back from the break, I want to go to from the dark, maybe into the light. Okay. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about (laughs) uh, the 50th anniversary (laughs) of uh, hip hop. And uh, we'll do that when we come back from the break because we are the marketing madmen and you're listening on extra 106.3. Let me go get my camera real fast. Yeah. What are they what are they called? Now back to the marketing madmen on Extra 1063 FM. Welcome back, Trip Job and Nick Constantino here on the Marketing Man Man with uh, Nick's uh, Lang- longtime friend, uh, Rich Dollars, and we were talking about um, you know reality TV and we kind of merged into uh, uh, hip hop, and that's mm-hmm. a little bit of your background, and it's also very timely. Um, I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's been a lot of play about uh, 50th anniversary of hip hop. And and why don't you tell us, Rich, a little bit what that means to you and what what you remember first. And then we'll get into your background a little bit. Well, obviously, I grew up on hip hop. I grew up on the sound from a New York City guy. I'm from Harlem, USA. Um, I grew up in this hip hop world. I grew up cool. Herc in the Bronx was like, I guess, 40 blocks from me. And that was the the origin. That was the origin. The Bronx, New York, Cool Herc in the park, and then after that came the African Bombadas, and then the, obviously the LL Cool J's and the KRS Ones, and we can go on and on and on. Got to throw the Beastie Boys in there. Yeah. 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 That, that, that tracks back to the '80s, and, and Def Jam was almost started because of the Beastie Boys. So yeah. we got to throw them in there. We got to get were, them. They were yes. Yep. Leo Cohen. Yeah. In the Beastie Boys, and that's the Run DMC and yep. the Russell Simmons era. So. I grew up in that and being a New Yorker that was like that was the prevalent music in my in my in my world. Mm-hmm. Like special ed used to come to my high school and and hit on the chicks. <laughs> like it was just, it was crazy like that. So and then being able to work at Bad Boy was amazing because now you're working with probably because this is a marketing show, probably the best marketer yeah in the history of of hip hop. Yeah, and you talk about that crossover to that that, that mainstream. I would give, I would actually say above anyone else, because when it first started, even Rockefeller, they were trying to avoid that, like the plague. They didn't want that crossover. When when you took it, and you know this is such a cliche thing to say, but when 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 Diddy took that juicy beat from that commercial and put that over the track to make that radio friendly, that changed fundamentally changed 
where the music would go. It made it, mainstream's not the word, but it made it palatable to a new audience. You mm-hmm. had Dre out on the West Coast. It was so gangster rap. It was so not in your face that it wasn't that mainstream appeal. Yeah. It was Diddy in the 90s, and it started with the idea, and then it became the marketing, but how they brought it out and decided to embrace that while still trying to keep so the street, while trying to keep the street right. cred, because that was really important. I mean, I, again, you had to keep, and that I mean, you didn't have more street cred than Biggie. I mean, those, those guys, no. the guys he found, no. he found the perfect vessel for what he was trying to accomplish. So I, I love that. But you know, talk about the inner workings of it. Talk about you. Were, you were senior director of marketing, man. You were involved in everything. Talk mm-hmm. about how they would they would promote albums. Talk about how they would promote uh, you know record labels and Sean John. All these things were blending together at that time. I'll give you the biggest. Nobody really is, is familiar with this, but the biggest marketing that we ever did at Bad Boy was the Big Mac. So it was Biggie's album, Ready to Die, was coming out, mm-hmm. and Craig Mac. Oh, dude, the remix, oh, wow. the remix of Flavor in Your Ear with Biggie on it when he opens that track, and you that got LL our, on that track. Oh, exactly. dude, exactly. And that was our marketing campaign. We would, we called it the Big, Big Mac, Mac. Uh, Biggie, and, and, and McDonald's Mac. got behind it, and it was insane. Yeah. Get out of here, McDonald's do, got behind it. I do it remember that. Was ninety three, ninety four? That was ninety four. That was a turn for 90, McDonald's too. Yes. Oh my goodness, took McDonald's and put him in the urban market. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I, I, it, I was, it opened up a I mean, huge avenue. Avenue for, for yes. I mean, was, it was. You know, and then our biggest record was obviously um, the Biggie tribute. Yeah, it was a Sting record, right? Yeah, Faith Evans singing the Sting record. Yeah. So, Puff was, Puff was a, was able to see. He had the force, the foresight to see things that, that we that we can still do today. Back then, yeah. So he was really, really ahead of his time. Yeah. Jay Z was always an artist. Right. Puff was always a marketer. Yeah. And I always tell people that that's the difference between the two. That's why Puff could sell Sean John like yep. no other. Jay-Z couldn't sell Rockaware like that. No. No. Ciroc. All those. Ciroc is all a whole other animal. All those things. So one of the things, I, and I heard this quote the other day, and I, I loved it. So I knew I was going to steal it. Um, but it sounds like Puff, I mean, had that vision, that strategy. Yes. Versus, and this is what I heard, was people who just do random acts of marketing. And that's yeah. what we see, unfortunately, too much. Just people are throwing crap out there because they mm-hmm. don't understand it. Tactics and this idea. I loved it. Random acts of marketing Random. is what we have to get away well, from. Well, I think, ironically, it it was easier for Jay-Z to follow Puff's trail and become a marketer than it was for Puff to become a rapper because he tried. And, I, and I, God bless the guy, honestly, but he, he failed almost every time. It was just not his in his cards to be that rapper. Same thing. I mean, they say the same thing about Kanye West, mega yeah. producer. But mm-hmm. as, it, the rap game, it was just so he it's, it's these people. So but it's easier to pick up marketing techniques. Rockefeller right. eventually became good marketers, man. What that guy's been able oh, to build and do, able to do after now. now is because well, see the thing about Jay is Jay also followed his popularity. Jay got the president's job at Def Jam, and I think it was '06. Never yeah. looked back from there. Right. Because now he created it. Jay Z was smart enough to create a team, yeah. right, of people that are amazing. And then right. obviously having Beyonce, who's probably the most marketable person right. in the world right now. Right as your wife doesn't hurt. Right, and right. that's probably the opposite of Puff. He was a little bit more of a control freak, right? On everything he he wanted control. And look, let's throw these stories out. I mean, he didn't he used to commute from New York to DC like 3 hours. Like, yeah. I mean, he was like a he he was driven to accomplish these things. In the things. beginning days when Puff first started previous Uptown Records pro, um was before Bad Boy. So Puff was actually working with Clive Davis at Arista. Yeah. And he was interning at Arista and then that's when he was going from Howard University to New York City. And on the train, three days, three days a week, 
taking that three-hour trip on the train on the Amtrak up the uh, up 95. Oh, man. So. And, and you mentioned something important because I've only been once, and it was way back in the day, and I should not have been here, but there's nothing quite on earth like Howard Homecoming back in the day. No. I mean, that that oh, was – and I, I, I went to University of Maryland. I was right okay. there. Oh, I was right Park. there. I was right there. And, again, that ability to all of a sudden become Puerto Rican was very convenient in that moment. <laughs> but, but, that, but that dude, Howard Homecoming, was like any – unlike yeah, anything I've ever seen it's in my amazing. life. We threw the biggest party down there for yeah. years. Puff threw the biggest party. He had to, right? You're talking yeah. alma mater. You're talking his spot. Yeah. Talk, dude. Talk uh, about that stuff without revealing too much information. That's not safe for radio. Talk about those days. Talk about because it was so sexy and big at that point. Talk about the parties. Talk moving, about the stuff. Being at, see, this is I. I've had three different lives, and I tell people this all the time. I had the college life. I pledged. I played ball. I had a great time. Then I moved into bad boy. That was another world for me being able to be around this guy for 10 years. Wow. For 10 years, right? So the parties and then that, I mean, Puff was able to create, Puff could do something that nobody else could do. And I call him Puff, everybody else calls him yeah. Diddy. I'm, I'm stuck on the Puff, yeah. that's what we've always called Sorry. him. He was Puff um, before he was Diddy, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so he was able to make everything so cool. Like that was his, his superpower, his superpower his gift, yeah. was, was gift was being able to make things so cool. Like even from from bad boy days to where we were doing the not so street and Biggie and then came Mace and yeah. then it was shiny suit man. Yeah. Then it was all these different things. All of that stuff Puff was able to make cool. He was able to make it mainstream. He was able to take those things and make them so popular in the culture that it was you couldn't you couldn't deny it. Yeah. He either could see it coming or see the ability to influence the yeah, audience that was what it to was. think of oh, that's what it he is. He was able to influence. Right. Yeah. And, and then influence. When, when you mentioned Jay-Z before, so to me it seems like Jay-Z's power cuz you talked about Beyoncé was around talent and understanding talent cuz then I think of the sports world. And I can't remember was it A-Rod was the one of the first or who was Cano, one of the first? Robinson Cano. Robinson, Cano. 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 Okay. Yep. Yeah, but I mean I think the same type of thing. It seemed like his Talent is knowing talent and where to get aligned, and then everything. Exactly. You know, people would follow him because he knew that one linchpin person to build everything yeah, off of. Yeah, and he was building a team. I will say, right. so Jay was building a team. When you think about the tracks he was on, he was building people. Puff was trying to find stars, Puff was and that's a difference. And, and and there was a unique factor of all of them. I mean, you said Harlem, you said Mace, Harlem World, Mace. That draw that he had yeah. on those tracks, that first album. I mean, look, he became a preacher after. Yeah. So it was, yeah. but that first album, yeah. Feel So Good, Tell Me What You Want, was one of the greatest tracks. I mean, but that. but that, and he he had that ability to 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 combine the pieces of different sounds. Correct. Right, you had total on that track. You had Mace. You you brought those things together, as opposed to when Jay was doing it. He was bringing all the guys. Everyone was four four people on a track. Mm -hmm. On every single mm -hmm. track was multiple guys. So I think Jay yeah. Jay was always looking for that supporting cast. Right, Diddy was looking for stars because he knew his own limitations in that sense. And he wasn't he would be the star himself track. with the star. So yeah. Puff, so you can't see what Puff. The difference between Puff and Jay is Jay, with his own talent, was able to do the things he was able to do. Puff had to align himself with the talent. Okay. And in order for him to get his proper shine, his proper, I guess, kudos, yeah. it can't be five guys on the stage. Yeah. Right. Because now you're you're sharing it. So now you have to go create stars, align yourself Love with those it guys. It goes both ways. And run. Yes, it goes both ways. It goes because both ways. who knows what Biggie would have been without Puff? You you just Absolutely. there's so many I don't know if anyone had the talent, but I bet there are thousands of people that have had what Biggie could have been, but would have never done it without Puff finding that. Puff put no matter what people say about Puff Combs, no matter what, Puff was able to put people in positions to succeed. 
Bottom line. No matter what he took care of his people, from what I heard too. Faith Hill, he, he took care. He took care of the people that w- were there. He took care of them. He, yes. What yes. was your experience with dealing with him directly? What, what was was he was he collaborative? Was he a guy that took advice? What was your experience with dealing with him directly? In dealing with Puff, you you have to understand that he's a control freak, and everything has to be perfect, because understanding that there is no tomorrow once it leaves. Once it leaves the press, there, there's no there's no bringing it back. Because people were, at working at Bad Boys a little bit different than working at most places because people were looking for failure. They were looking for us to fail. And we were oftentimes successful in spite of ourselves. Really? Because, oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, Puff had the whole trial in, in the early 2000s. The, the new club yeah, New York Yeah, it could have gone, 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 gone downhill quick. Direction, right? Then we got the Ciroc deal. And that breathed new life into everybody around 08. Yeah. Then all of a sudden Surratt comes around and Puff goes to Diageo and he's like, give me the dustiest thing you have on the shelves that nobody's buying and watch me make it hot. And that, and that was when you were in the middle of just the club decade, man. And those clubs, yeah, and the, Ciroc we, was a club brand. You were at every club. And honestly, first, I'm just sad that see those days don't exist to the capacity they were. Nah, I was just a club kid. I used to over. I used yeah. to sneak. I've been yeah. to the, you know how many times I used to go into the tunnel when I was a kid back oh, in the wow. day? Really? Yeah, I, I would hear Funk Flex say tunnel. And Rick, I'm like, come going, on. going, oh, oh, dude, I... My, my parents, I had one friend house I would sleep over that they'd be like, you can do whatever you want. So I'm like, right. tunnel. So we would go into the tunnel. It was me and this little Filipino kid. He was five foot three at most showing up a tunnel. I swear to God, it was. Those were the days. Uh, it, it was the days, but that. that you ju- slipped under the. Uh, the genre. Oh the genre. Dude, honestly, the only thing I've known about life is if you act like you're supposed to be somewhere, yeah. no one's ever going to bother you. No one's ever going to bother you. No one will ever bother you if you know what you're doing. And that's, actually, that's actually how people live their lives. It works, man. Act like you're supposed to be here and nobody will deny you. When you're on the red carpet, act like you're supposed to be on the red carpet and nobody will ask you why you're here. And no one will and, and no one will ask. You, you just walk, put your head down, smile, walk through, and you are fine. Yeah. But I, I, it's a shame to see those club days go. And I remember everyone would say, Sarah, it was the hottest thing on earth. It was the we first had, vodka that was that premium that you were yes. seeing bought at those clubs. And even in Vegas, when I was early in Vegas, you're talking $600, $700 a bottle they're selling it for. Yeah. right? You don't want Smirnoff. There's no, no sexy exactly. story There's behind no Smirnoff. Smirnoff. You want the sexy. And the, the, ne- the next brand, and that launched, uh, coordinated with Patron, which was the other mm-hmm. brand that was associated with that just party lifestyle. That's what you were pouring out on people. Like That's, that's the a secret. We cheated the Ciroc club experience. So what we did was we created this thing called Ciroc Boys. And at that time, there were DJs who rocked the mic. Yeah. So if MC, you're in always, Vegas, you always, go, always. It's, it's Mauricio, it's, it's Flex, it's... It's Sus One, it's DJ Self, it's all these guys that's down here, it's Entice. Us. We hired all those guys and made them Ciroc boys. So yeah. now whenever you're in the club, their job, Diageo paid us to pay them amazing. to say, Ciroc boys, hey everybody, I'm drinking Ciroc. So if the DJ's screaming Ciroc of all day Inf- long, It's influencer all marketing long. before yeah. influencer marketing existed. You were doing influencer marketing, yeah. but Everybody's it seemed like it was part of the of the, the shtick. Exactly. Like you were just doing it. If the DJ exactly. was screaming, then it has to be real. Yeah. It, it's part it's part of the shtick. I mean, yeah, well, been, and it's part of having a full campaign and a plan versus just trying to, to advertise. And I think it's that's having a plan. You know, I'm, I'm going to get back for a second, but so many random acts of marketing and things that people think it's just about the ad. It's just yep. about the, you know, the message they're putting out. There's so many more things that go into it. You put the message out, may or may not resonate. Yeah. But if you do the things that you do and you do them grassroots, you have a better understanding of what the people want. Yep. And you right. can give the people yeah. what they want. The great so point. if we're hiring Fab and he's got a drink called the Coco Loso because Fab is called Coco. 
So, excuse me, Fab is called Loso. So his name is Carlos. Fab's real name is Carlos. So we had a drink called the Coco Loso, Ciroc, yeah. mixed with pineapple juice. Simple as that. The, the, but the everybody oldest, loves the oldest concoction. The oldest I mean, literally yeah. hundreds yeah. of years old is a pina colada. It's, so, it's old is new again. But yeah, it's right? old is right. new again. So which now was Fab is, to begin with, and that's it. Yeah, and you put it in the you put it in his videos, and he walks around and he's attached to it, so he's vested in it. Another one of my favorites, by the way. Fab. Fab, oh uh, my god, oh man, Keeping it gangsta, oh my god, yeah, that was that was those that that first album was another one that was just you're talking probably late '90s now, early mm -hmm. 2000s, right in that he started yeah. doing a little too much crossover stuff towards the end, but but that our first album was one of the I can't the deny it. Guy. He became the R and B rapper, yeah. so the collab game became so easy for him. Yeah, yeah. I liked it before that. I like yeah. Nate Dogg on those tracks, the yes. old stuff. Uh, that was just me. You know, but one of the things, and I go back a couple of times in my career. Um, and there were times when we were bringing out something new or we just bought a company and um, we didn't have a lot of money, but it was whether it's old is new again mm -hmm. or something brand new. And we had to take that. I call it guerrilla marketing approach because there wasn't Absolutely. a ton of money. I actually think you can be more creative. You can think things through than sometimes when you've got an established brand and you've got an established budget. And I think sometimes people get very um, conservative and don't take those opportunities. So maybe, maybe talk a little bit about that, about doing something off the cuff, whether you didn't have the money or did, but the fact that you uh, could or be, made it look off the cuff. Or made or it look, look off I think the it was cuff. strategized, yeah. but you made it look oh, off. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But because you had to have a little bit of that guerrilla marketing sure. thought to it, but you had a well-defined plan. I mean, you already mentioned one with the Ciroc Boys, but Ciroc maybe Boys, another. And then moving into, I mean, just the way hip-hop has done marketing as a whole has changed the, the format. For sure. It's, it's taken, because you got to remember, when hip-hop was first coming around, there were, the budgets were small because yeah. nobody knew if this thing would ever be able to live on, right? So it was always, okay, we can do this for you for right now. Let's keep it minimal. Let's, let's, we're giving you a three-year deal. So it's like, you know, all the sports athletes right now, they don't want the three-year deals no more. They want the 10-year deals yeah. because they want, they want the longevity and know that they're here. But if, in fact, you get that three-year deal, you know, one, you're up for another. Two, you have to show and prove Right. During this one. Right. right. So keeps now that fire, keeps that fire going. You keep the fire going and you're throwing caution to the wind because every every day is like McDonald's is not going anywhere. There's no yeah. difference between yeah. McDonald's and Burger King and White no. Castles except for marketing. No. That's the deal. And, and, the and those guys, let's make it clear, those guys, most of those guys in that era were coming from the crack game. They are coming from a spot where they do not want to go back to that world. They're coming from prison. Yeah. That the, the throwing yourself, investing yourself, it can't be understated that this is not like today where you're just some viral sensation because you grew up right. when you're, you're, you're with money from your parents. These guys were trying to no, get out of something was, which made that fire amplified so much more. Or, or to not get into it. Like when you're young, right. to keep yourself out of it. That's what I think one of the greatest parts that's untold about hip-hop and I think the same in the sports world mm -hmm. it kept people out of trouble when yeah, you when you can commit yourself and I know that even in Atlanta and, and they, the guys and, and Andre and Big Boy say it that that Dungeon family those guys getting together kept them out of other trouble would you rather the, be in the studio or would you rather be in the streets and it, it, it's an unstated thing, and I think it's, yeah. uh, it's unfortunate that's not stated. It's one of the things I love about sports. When you talk about if you get a kid 13 years old and he's a basketball star, mm -hmm. that's going to keep him out of trouble more than just about anything else is because, one, he has a passion for it. Two, he's got coaches and mentors in it that say that to about, him. Exactly. And it's just, listen, at the end of the day, it's about being in the best position to succeed. And like I said, Puff was always able to put people in that position and through the 10 years. And even with the, even moving into the reality world, 
success is, is, is read differently today. Yeah. Success is read much differently today. Like, Cardi B would never be the person she is 30 years ago. Yeah. Because people wouldn't allow her to. Yeah. They wouldn't allow her to come from the world she came from, to speak the way she speaks, to do the things that she does. And, and they were trailblazers before that. If and Little were, Kim and Foxy Brown no, didn't exist to, to, pay, yeah. to pave that path, who had their own stuff. And and honestly, for my own, my own money, yeah. I take Foxy over Kim. I no, it, Oh, on, completely. This, completely. This conversation just went left, my friend. Completely. Uh, I, I love Foxy, uh, but come uh, on, uh, Nick. I, 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 anyway, so Foxy I digress. Foxy Kim? Oh, for sure. Mm. Without question. So you take Jay, so essentially what you're saying is you take Jay over Big. No, I don't say that at all. Uh, I Big was Kim. I, I, Foxy I, I, was I, Foxy was Jay. Hey, talk. Listen to firm. Listen to affirmative action. Okay, listen uh, to affirmative action and Foxy's track at the end of that, and compared to anything that Lil Kim did, and let's have that conversation. But I digress. What were we saying? About? Oh, well, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm actually I'm gonna put uh, Rich on the spot with a, a a tough question, but something that you you talked about. A lot of these people have come out of tough situations and. Mm-hmm brought people with them you also talked about when we we're uh going through reality how you know some things got too dark mm-hmm. and we we look at hip-hop sometimes and i would say maybe sometimes the the vibe around hip-hop gets too dark how do you how do, how do you handle that yourself about how do we bring people out of tough situations yet sometimes what both of these medias have done is maybe to seem like it's encouraging you know, the, the negative side, the bad side. It absolutely does. It absolutely encourages the negativity and the the other side of, of the world, right? So to get out of that, you have to be a strong individual, first of all. Yeah. Second of all, you have to understand that this is a means to an end. But you don't have to live within this cycle and perpetuate this cycle over and over again. The reason that you're being visible is so that people can see you and see you move forward. And then that helps the next person move forward. But if you get caught up into your own hype and you get caught up into your own persona, then you will never escape it. And at some point, you will be right back where you started from because in reality, you never really left. And that's always been the trick to all of this stuff is to build a team, put people around you that you trust that want to help you elevate. Yeah, athletes too. Oh, yeah. There's examples no of the athletes who've done the right way and the guys that done the wrong way. I remember Kevin Durant says the best thing that ever happened to him was he moved to Oklahoma City and there was nothing to do in Oklahoma right. City coming from DC where you can get in trouble. Slow so most yeah. things, I agree with that. I mean, I, I look, I love the story of how many people have been able to rise up. Right. It's just that conflict at times, and how do you do it, more? But it's not a bad thing, man. The, yeah. the the negativity and the darkness also brings to light the struggle that people have. And I think where, where it gets really scary is when that's repressed and put underground. And hearing it, and again, as a you know white kid in the suburbs, hearing that struggle, it sounds so stupid, but I felt somewhat more connected to an African-American culture. And yeah. one, I grew up in Queens. It's not, it's not comparative. Like, <laughs> it was just where I was. But you felt, and compare is the wrong word, because then you sound like you're just that dude who's trying to pretend like yeah. you, you can blend anywhere. But you felt connect, more connected than you would have had you never been introduced to that, mu- that to that music and to that genre. Same thing with right. my wife. I listen to Latin music. Do you know how much more connected I feel to Puerto Rico when I listen to Hector Lavoe? And mm-hmm. I and, and you know my argument with my wife is is Big Pun is the greatest Puerto Rican musician ever. I mean we have that kind of <laughs> argument which I think is hysterical. But right. b- the point is is that. that Putting, bringing that to the light, I think, is always best and better than repressing it in most ways. What it gets scary is when there's not a platform and a voice for it, and it gets repressed. Right. No, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, with, with brands and sponsors, then it can come back to brand purpose a little bit. Then it, well, you, when you highlight anything, you show 
the importance of it. Mm-hmm. So there is an important there's an importance in the dark side. There that's an important part of life in the culture. The dark side of that is how how oftentimes this began. So now you have your cautionary tales, but you also have your success stories. Love it. Yeah. So now you can take that, and now the brands are starting to understand. Listen, at the end of the day, even the worst person in Harlem wants to wear Louis Gucci Prada, yeah. Fendi, yeah. Tom Ford. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, there is a market for that. It's just now what you do to get it. Right. right. So you now we have drugs, to, or you're going to work yourself. You're yeah. going to work yourself out of it. Yeah. So for now sure. we have to figure out how we can get to the point where everybody's still have the affinity for those same things, yeah. but at the same time, now they've moved on to a place where they can comfortably get them the right way. No, yeah, I think that's it. a great point. I think there's there's an opportunity for the brands. I think there's also an opportunity to understand the good that mm-hmm. can come out a lot of this. Sometimes it's not all the message. It's Correct. not all what's visible to what we're saying. But, but times have changed. Then, times, times have changed. changed. Right. Every, but being able hard. to respond to adversity was not something that people talked about back in the day. Right. right? When you went to a job, it was, oh, I've done X, Y, Z, and I've collected up these boxes. Now, my first question to people, tell me when you respond to adversity. Yeah. And you know what? Growing and getting yourself out of that struggle to something is a, some, a hiring trait now that, that you know, didn't exist, that wasn't acknowledged years responding ago. Responding to adversity. We're going to test Rich uh, when we come back. That so we you're are. listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Nick Constantino with Trip Job, and we are going to continue and have some fun here. So we got home team Brandon Lee here. We're going to talk a little sports. We're going to put Rich on trial here to see what he can do as a sports radio host, see what knowledge he knows, and see what he can do. But first, since we have home team here, and we just finished our segment on hip-hop, we're going to throw it out there. Top three hip hop or rap songs of all time. Think about it, boys. I'm gonna do mine. I'm gonna do mine first, and I'm gonna do four because I wrote four. And if I don't say the fourth one, I'm gonna kick myself. So I have in a row. This is in no particular order. I have "It Ain't Hard to Tell" by Nas, "Can't Knock the Hustle" by Jay Z, "Party and Bull." I can't say that word on radio by Biggie, and "Put It On" by Big L. Those are my top three plus one of 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 my favorites. So, home team, I'm gonna go to you. You look like you're pondering. You're a DJ too. No, yeah. rock him. The God MC? Wow. Bro, I was born in 82. I was a little past that time. And uh, if, if for my money, if I'm going to go Ooh. back then, I'm going Big Daddy Kane, just personally. There but you no. go. There you go. Okay. You put me on the spot. If you put me on the spot, give me three. I'll give you three. Let me go with I Ain't No Joke by Eric B. and Rakim. Love it. Let me have, uh, you got to go with a Biggie song. So let me go with Juicy for the party, okay. the party crowd. And then third all time. Is this a matter of significance or just what I like? Because what, what you like, bro? Just keep it what you like. I like some Outkast, so I'll go Southern Playlist. The best one there is. That's what the I. The best one there is. Richie Rich. This is difficult for me because there's so many, man. There's so many. Um, I'm obviously gonna go Juicy. Okay. There's no way you can go without that. Me being a bad boy guy and all. Um, I'm gonna go big party and well, you said party and BS, didn't you? I did. Okay. We, we, we know. Not. We know what it means. We, I, I didn't think we, we all answered. Well. <laughs> and I'm gonna go. I want to go Nas, but man, you see now I'm having recency bias because I just heard the M and, and M and um M and J. Renegade. Yeah. Renegade. That's a track. I heard it. And that's and a good track. M, M kills that thing. But then I want to go back, and I'm a reasonable doubt guy. But there's so oh, many. Yeah. And then obviously I just hosted a party with Ra at um Monticello recently. Okay. So 
Eric B and Rakim, even though they don't they don't rock together no more. I'm gonna have to you go na- with you. Eric. Name five. You're good. Okay. That, that's, that, that's fantastic. I can go on, man. This is this I, I, I can do it too. Honestly, right. and I love the we, conversation. We could go the entire uh, time. I, 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 so, okay. but, well, wait, but, Trip, do you have three? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna have no, <laughs> we're gonna have seven. You know, I would probably have to go with Juicy, and I'm an Outcast fan too. But there you that, go. So yeah, I'll so leave funny. it at two. I'm gonna leave this. Yeah. So so and again, this is a complete random statement. But by the time when I was growing up in New York and then DC, people would say, "Don't play Juicy" because it was played in every place in America too many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like just, it, it, Biggie's got such a track, please don't play Juicy. Then yeah. they realized that was probably the only track you can play without offending everybody right. in the room. You know, we're not playing Gimme the Loot in the middle of a club of that day. Right, it's just not right. quite the same thing. So, All right, so let's let's, let's, we're going to test Rich a little bit. And since we got home team here, I mean, what better? We've been talking, like, seems like all season about where the Hawks are. What What do they need to do? What's going on? What, uh, uh, Rich, what do you think, man? What's... Well, have you know, my opinions. Bring it. I knew this wasn't going to work. I knew bringing in Murphy from San Antonio was not going to work here. I know Trey Young. First, we've just realized that Trey's a coach killer. Have we not just realized it that? It could be double homicide if you <laughs> want to put it on him. That's right. two coaches right there. Yeah. Yeah. Just give me the loot, baby. Yeah. Give, me the give, loop. Loop. give me the loot. Give me the loot. So now you got Trey. John Collins doesn't want to be here. Hasn't wanted to be here in some time. Atlanta was destined for failure and bringing in Murray who's a one to come in and play with Trey who is I don't want I don't see I don't want to he's Trey is selfish let's call yeah. it what it is yeah. Trey's yeah. a selfish basketball yeah. player and selfish people can play defense when the stakes are high or not did. take but, 36 foot shots when you're down double digits but trying Murray to make was a the opposite Ooh. player Murray was the guy at fundamentals six foot eight nine wingspan that can play defense was not pass first but made the right pass at the right time didn't need to shoot the three ball so you brought in competitive guys to compete for the same spot and who do you put in when the pressure's on I always go fit I always go fit. And yeah. I could have told you that the Murray Young fit wasn't a great fit. And, and Collins being here and not wanting to be here is not is still not a great fit. Johns hasn't been wanting to be out of here. No, nah, the there's too much years. overlap everywhere. Congo too. You, you you got too many guys overlapping to do this to do the same things. Well, the question is, what's the vision? And if the vision involves blowing it up, you got to start all over. If you blow it up, you can't get a good coach. Does a good coach want to play with Trey? So those are a lot of you, you pieces. can't blow it up, man. You put yeah. so much, you rested so much on this that Luca trade is going to dawn you and dwell on you for so yeah. long. You can't. You just can't you can't blow it up i don't see that being the the, uh, the option i mean there's you have the pieces where you could certainly do it but do these fans are they going to come to the games if it's not a team there and there's not a star there are they going to come i've seen it when they I mean, when I first moved here, the Celtics, they were in the playoffs against the Celtics, right? It was that team that the, the, with four All-Stars, six All-Stars. I can get tickets for $10 for the opening game, first game of the playoffs. That should not be happening, man. Yeah, you can put out Trey Young. You can put out Mike Vick. You can put out Jay Smoove. You can put Zaza <laughs> and Neek, and people will go see it. If there's no show to go see, you're probably not going to go see it down at State Farm Arena. And that right. arena, which but has all the shine your, on What's it. the vision? Is the vision what's to the build vision? A, you gotta, a, a title team, or is it to just put – Fans in the stands. We want to win a title. That's what we want to do. We'll see if the that... fans do. Bringing a coach in right. is what's most important right now for Atlanta. Bringing the right coach in. It has to be. As much as people don't want to bring in Udoka, I can I, I can't see Atkinson. I can see Udoka commanding the respect of Trey Young. You need that. my friend. We're not shooting thirty six footers five seconds into the shot clock. Yeah. We're gonna do this the right way. Quinn Snyder, maybe. I'm a big Quinn Snyder fan. I wanted him to be the coach of the Knicks before they hired that prehistoric guy they got up there now. But with that being said, Atlanta has to figure out 
how they're moving forward. Yeah. And they have to find a coach that can command the respect of the locker room that's going to get Trey to play basketball the way it's supposed to be played. Yeah, and you need He's high- not Steph Curry. No. Yeah. He's yeah. not Steph Curry. No. He hasn't built his stature. I mean, Steph Curry was tiny when he moved in. His shoulders got broader and broader. Trey doesn't either. His body's not built well, that way, or he doesn't show well, Steph's the desire. Well, Steph's Totally different. I mean, I'm a Davidson guy, so I know I've but been with Bob McKillop. Show, he, if you watched him, mentored early mm-hmm. on. Plus, he had his dad. He had but his he dad. got mentored by, and he still talks to McKillop every week. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there was a completely different I'm just saying, mindset. I'm just saying body type. Trey. It's easier to defend when your shoulders broaden and you can play defense because yeah. you're of stature. Trey Young doesn't look like he has the body has the, sh- the ability to grow. Mm-hmm. He's just the same size as he was. Which no is- man born from human womb will be Steph Curry. Psycho, but this yeah. is the thing about Steph that yeah. people that people never give him the credit for. Yeah. Psychologically, Steph is so secure with himself yeah. that Kevin Durant can come play with him and Steph still be secure enough in himself to play basketball yeah. the right way. D- yeah. Daddy Trey that. Young, that's not how it Del goes. Del Curry helped that. Yeah. Daddy was a good shooter. Absolutely. His dad was a good shooter and knew his role on every team he played on, which made him a better player. What a funny stat. Before last year, Steph Curry was the worst shooter in his family. Dale yeah. Curry was a 40% shooter. Seth Curry was a 42% yeah. shooter or a 43% he shot, shooter. He shot, more, he shot 42. Steph shot more in one We're year than all yeah. We're going to go volume. Exactly. We're going to go volume. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about the Atlanta Braves? Braves have a whole lot of star power. Ronald Coonie Jr. You got Ozzy Albies. You, uh, He's my guy. You have a good manager. He's coming off of a World Series a couple of years. What are your thoughts on the Atlanta Braves and their uh, chance to go into World Series? Might be facing off against a team you know about, New York Yankees, in the World Series. If that goes goes to point, the Braves are in. Well, the problem with the Braves right now is that you guys are in the, the ridiculous division. The Mets just spent the crap load of money. You know what I mean? And they had to rescind and, some, and they're still and about they, to get stuck. Are, yes. are you a Mets guy? A Yankees guy? What, what? I'm actually, I'm actually a Yankee guy. Okay, I'm actually a Yankee guy, but I'm a big fan of the Braves. I have a little bit of history with, you know, obviously Dave Justice was down here. Rafi Furcal was down here. Those are my guys. Acuna's my favorite baseball player. Second to Soto. Him and Soto will go neck and neck okay. because I just think that they're young stars on the rise and they're changing baseball and making it so fun to watch. And I hate that Ralphie, um, excuse me, I hope that Ronald got hurt and he had to sit out so long because it took him a little bit of time to get back into the swing of things and now being, you know, with the playoffs having come, I think he would have been a much better player had he played the whole year. No, With no that being said, Braves minor leagues, you got to have people coming up. I don't know, six top 100s I think you have right now. Those guys are ready to take the next which step. Which is crazy yeah, which, to think about with how many people crazy. have come out of that team with Strider and Harris and how many guys have yeah. – Riley, I mean, you're talking the, the ability. Austin and that's, Riley's a beast. And that's yeah. how they built the first team. And right? how – I mean, guys, they traded. Let's, let's Did do you, that. Hold we're up. Gonna, we're going to keep this going. So we're going to keep it going on the podcast, but we're going to wrap up the show. You've been listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. Let's keep the Braves talk going on yeah. the podcast version. Did you guys pay Swanson? No, gone. No, he's a cubby. Okay, but you knew that was coming. Yeah, the the, the difference between Grissom was not high enough that you mm-hmm. would pay. And again, for all it's worth, I mean, I heard it was six errors. I think Swanson made last year. That's worth something, but it ain't worth the thirty million dollars a year that he wanted to get. And exactly. and he had still had Freddie's same agent, so I think there was still some bitterness. some bitterness. And I know his agent too, and I know the guys underneath and, the agent. And, and that, if, and if it frees up money for for Freed, then I'm okay with it. 
That's another decision down the road the right. Braves will have to deal with. Because outside of Strider, they have not put any money long term in the pitching. In the pitching rotation. You know. If the Mets you keep know, spending, so. the Braves will be spending two hundred fifty million dollars before you know it anyway. So it doesn't really it doesn't really matter. There's no cap, there's no limit to it. The luxury tax, all that stuff doesn't matter anything. It's 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 gonna be a spending spree until some point where it plateaus and it starts going backwards. Yeah. And is it the right people? I agree with home team. Is it is that the right move? Not when you got young studs coming up that can pitch the way they do. I think you need a one, two, and a three in baseball, and then the four and the five, you should intend on swapping them out every year. I just think it's just realistic to, to do it that way. And right now, yeah. you got a young Spencer Strider. Hopefully, Stash, bro, if, if he continues that, strike it out, people. He's your youngster for the future. But, yeah, you have to put some money in the pitching if you want to stay on top, and the Braves look like they want right. to stay and on top. You, you hope Kyle Wright will be a long-term, but he hasn't done it but one year, so you don't know that yet. So Freed... Is your you one get, option yeah. next to is have is somebody the big, is to the be that one? Is the you next big so. ticket and coming out of Atlanta? Right. Yeah, you you but you down. expect a roller coaster. There's yes. very few yeah. guys that are that consistent. There's too many variables in baseball. And who knows what's going to happen without the switch, too? I mean, you're going to see. In my bet is, is that that works in the favor of the batters. I, I would have there. to imagine that's going to work in the favor of the batters. I've seen some harebrained schemes of how they're going to fix the switch and how they're going to align people and the inf- inf- infielders and outfielders are going to come in. But that also throws this whole thing off because guys that may have looked better may, might not, not look bad because where the guys can hit the ball. You know, Kyle Wright is a ground ball pitcher sometimes, you know, and so he's a Vandy guy. Mm-hmm. You know, how does that help him without the uh, the shift? That's you know? an interesting question and in how it helps, um, you know, the defense as well. We were talking about uh, – you know, you have a, a, a lumbering type of first baseman now that there's a shift uh, that uh, he won't have to hit into. Maybe he's able to get a few more hits because the shift won't be there. And the defensively, the bases are bigger. So guys who are faster are going to try to take off because they have more room to get to the next Flat. base. Yeah. How important will the catching position be now moving forward? I think it's good for baseball. Though. Let's call it what it is. I think you're speeding the game up. You're making oh, yeah. more appeal yeah. and you're doing things to go after that younger audience. I think that you're going to have the people, the heritage people that are going to be like, I don't want to see and this. Now, I can't believe it. doesn't have to be trajectory. The whole and that screwed the up baseball. baseball. You're right. Trajectory it's thing. Exit velocity, it and exit velocity and trajectory. Now no. you can put the ball on the ground and you can start doing some things right. without the shift. Right. Yeah, and it, which is ironically what more traditional baseball used to be. So maybe exactly. those rules, what they think are going to make it skew to a younger audience, will maybe make it more appealing to an older audience. So who the hell knows? Baseball well, has become strikeout home runs. Strike yeah, out home right. Run. Yeah. Now you can put the ball on the ground and do some things without the shift. You can you can send it up the middle without just third baseman playing second base. And I and I, <laughs> I completely get it because watching baseball on TV, you want to see the home run. But have you ever been to a stadium, especially in the playoffs? It is so much more exciting to watch small ball when everything oh. is something you jump out of your seat. First to home is exciting. Oh, this is exciting. Oh, as home get him, get him oh you got to get them on base and do oh, some yeah. things. It's now, amazing. now, station to station sucks. Yeah. But yeah. getting them on base and doing some things is, some, is fun. Well, one of the Braves' most exciting plays is Ozzy first to home. Ozzie yes. Albies, I mean, well, you know, so, the, you know the helmet's he coming going. off. Yeah, I know. Helmet's oh, yeah, coming so, off. And the biggest thing, I think, all of this. Our attention spans have changed. Yeah. So seeing all of that, home runs, station to station, in two hours and 45 minutes or three hours is not what you want. If you can do this in two hours and 15 minutes like they do with the NBA, it's a perfect way to get your entertainment and get your your day and your family time in as well as I don't have to be here all night. Yeah, now they just got to fix college football and stop those four-and-a-half-hour freaking games and be on to something. Stop. Stopping the clock after the first down. We got your Falcons shirt on. Let's let's talk Falcons real fast. So we finish the trifecta here. So, you know, obviously a lot going on with the Falcons. Um, I think their trajectory is in the right direction. I think you got to figure out a quarterback. I don't know what they're going to do there. I think Pitts, I think you got Pitts and London who are a good one-two combo. I think you needed another speed guy. I think you need another guy who can get down the field, take the top off the defense. Um, But what, what do we think about the Falcons? 
Well, I've done my part. I prayed and I prayed some more. <laughs> Fields, Fields, or Fields I, or I've Lamar. I've done my part. Fields or Lamar? Who are we praying yeah. for? Uh, well, Lamar there's seems like a pipe dream. Fields with his with the Georgia connection. I don't know. Man. There's what an you... interesting question. You had a chance to draft Justin Fields. Do you look at it down the road? If you had Justin Fields two years ago, you would have had a, a bad team he's playing for, like he is with Chicago. Sure. Now you're coming out of the darkness, and you have a better team. You have Drake London. You have Kyle Pitts. You have Tyler you Algier. You have to change the offense that much the from, coach from, from Mariota. The offense. Yeah. Do you go back and do a do-over, or is there something that they just don't like about him, and they figure out that they can get around it? I think what the Falcons are doing, they're trying to build a team and then insert a quarterback once the team is built up. They don't, don't want to. I don't know quarterback if I like that, man. to kind of come the way uh, up the ladder and then just have magic happen and then you have to pay your quarterback three hundred million. I, I mean, that's that. kind of the way they did it with Matt Ryan. I mean, a lot of it was there when they drafted Ryan. He was very lucky. He came yeah. into a team where there were veterans and he had a support system. Yep. Yeah, I, this I, is all young I, guys coming up together. I don't know together. if I like yeah. that, man. I watched that Panthers Thursday night game. It was one of the worst games I've ever seen in my life. And I know you have to establish the run, but there's something about spreading the field out and making moves and getting these guys open that I didn't see the Falcons do one single time. And I know what Arthur Smith, I think you need to have, I think the word, can, uh, the word when you talk about you need the right culture on a football team nowadays. I think that all these teams have proved it. I think that the Bengals proved it, and a guy can change culture. I think he's trying to establish a culture of who they are. I think you mentioned a lot of things, except for one, defense. We have tried for, I don't know, ever to win football games with (laughs) offense. Steve Barkowski, Mike Vick, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, uh, Tony Gonzalez, Roddy White. How about some defense for once in our lifetime? What do you think, Rich? The Falcons, the Falcons, the Falcons. You obviously need a quarterback. I don't know that you go after Lamar Jackson. I think that you should. I'm a big Justin Fields fan. I think that what he did in Chicago this past year was was insane. With no receivers. With with no receivers, no running back, just him by himself. He runs for 1,100. He throws for 2,200, 2,300. The Falcons have offensive pieces, but like you said, you need an edge rusher. At, at At this day and age of the NFL, Edge rushers reign supreme. You need to put some pressure He's on the quarterback. Jones at the end of his career, man. He gets good pressure. He's a yeah. great player. But if that is your guy getting your most sacks, you're in big trouble. There's no other way to say it. Yeah, to me, I mean, I think uh, right up front, I would look at uh, can you even move up and get a uh, kid from uh, Georgia, you know, the D-line. Jalen Carter. Right, yeah. Can you get him? And then you can, you can, you can get an edge rusher in free agency. Right. You Typically, overpay. you can get you that. You always but, overpay for an edge rusher in free agency. Yeah. You always, if you look at the stats, you always overpay for those but guys. But can you get can you get the pressure up front? Help Grady out. Get an edge rusher. All of a sudden, they become more effective. You need a second. But getting getting Lamar Jackson eliminates all that. Getting Lamar Grady. Jackson eliminates that. That, 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 yeah. that eliminates. Yeah. It helps your defense. It keeps them off the field. Yes. But you don't you don't you pay nobody anymore if this guy wants really is really you really sticking to Deshaun's have, contract have, and he wants two fifty. You have no draft picks. You're 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 what are you done right there. I'm thinking uh, they want a little bit better defense. Arthur Smith knows he wants to run the ball, and he's got his massive pieces in Kyle Pitts and Drake London. Those were his guys, uh, top ten picks. And now they need to figure out if Desmond Ritter is going to be a placeholder or if he's going to be replaced or if he's going to be the guy if he can develop. But I don't think – I would be shocked if the Falcons got Lamar Jackson and paid him the $245 million he's looking for after coming out of – salary cap hell for the last two years. I think they're going to be prudent. They're going to try to build a defense. They're going to add a couple of offensive linemen, and then they're going to try to see if the quarterback can get it done. And it would be nice to have Justin Fields be a part of this. 
I don't know if they're going to pull the trigger. I think Lamar personally would enjoy playing in Atlanta. I think we would embrace yes, him quickly because Baltimore is a tough place, man. The Harbaugh sell out. both of them. It's a, it is a tough place to play. They, they're used to winning. I mean, it's just a different kind of beast. I think Atlanta will embrace him so fast. The question is, does that go to his head too quickly? He showed the skill set, but he's also showed he could be really bad too. He'd be Mike Vick 2.0. He, he could be really yeah. bad also. So do you, do you have the assets to put the pieces around him to make him thrive? Because that's one of those decisions. It ain't going to be the middle of the road. It's either going to be the best decision or the worst decision that team has ever made. That's what scares me about it. Do you think he would help you win a Super Bowl, not be uh, an elite quarterback, not be somebody who have you there? Do you think he would help you win a Super Bowl? If you think the answer is yes, then you do what you need to do to get your hands on an MVP. If you just think he's really good, but he does have some flaws, we didn't come this far and be this broke and have our credit yeah. this bad with the Falcons after losing Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and that crew to take a roll of the dice. Does 12 games yeah. a year do it for you? And there you go. And there it is. Does 12 games a year do it for you? I mean, now's the time. The yeah. NFC South sucks. Now's the time. I hate to say it. But if, if ever you, there's but, a time to make that impact, now's the time. But to your point, yeah, does 12 games do it? And what, what are you going to give up? In order well, to do that, is one person, even Lamar, going to make you ready? Because you're going to give up so many assets. I just don't see it. That I think you're going to give up too much. I think they hit him with the, with, the, um, with the first tier franchise, the 32 million franchise. Which is a good number for him for one season. Yeah. Well, we'll see. But they didn't hit him with the 45, which means that they might be ready to let him go. Which is a bad number for them if they want to keep him <laughs> yeah. around. The, the, one thing, the one thing I remember, I swear to God, it's about why I, we, we used to have Shaq up here all the time. And mm-hmm. I asked Shaq, why do players not want to play here? And he simply said, because all their baby mamas are here. And that's why people don't want to come to Atlanta. And honestly, it was the most real thing I've ever heard. And I now I've had two or three different people support that statement. Right. That's why people don't want to come play here. So who knows? Right. Who well, knows what the issue is? But why can't we get the stars? Why can't we get people that come and want to stay and make that impact? I don't, I don't know the answer. Home team, you got a quick closing on that? Uh, I know what prayer can do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think we're on the right track. I think defense, though, needs to be addressed. And I think uh, you don't need to reach. It's not a reach. If you, if you have done your research and you think somebody is going to get you to the Super Bowl, if there is any doubt, you stay the course, build through the draft, accumulate free agents, and then see where the chips fall because the NFC South is changing. Yeah. All right. This Love has it. been fun. Hey, thanks so much, uh, home team. Rich, Rich thanks for joining it, us. You've been listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. Watches and whiskey. Do I have your attention? <laughs> this is Jonathan Geller at D. Geller & Son Jewelers, and we're celebrating summer and Father's Day with something we've never done before. This Saturday, we'll have Atlanta's biggest and best selection of new and pre-owned Swiss watches under each of our roofs. We're talking fan favorites like Tissot and Omega, showstoppers from Rolex, and it gets better. With help from Old Fourth Distillery, we're providing complimentary whiskey tastings while you browse. It's this Saturday, June 8th, in all three D. Geller & Son showrooms. Learn more at dgeller.com. Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions, and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. 
like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.